It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, seven minutes after eight o'clock, and I love the tree questions that you all have for Jeff and Raphael of Premier Tree Solutions, chopmytree.com. What's the website? chopmytree.com. That's it. Can't miss it. Yeah, you see coverage area, which is all of Metro Atlanta and then some. Uh, you see the phone number if you're that way and you'd rather call the office and speak to lovely Heather or Rose, right? Paula. Mm-hmm. Paula. Yeah, Paula, that's right. Paula as well. Um, so lots of things to find there. And you met a former president of the United States. Oh, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Carter. Yes, that so. was cool. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Yeah, so Jimmy Carter was a client. He was. Of Premier Tree Solutions. Yeah. Secret Service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, he didn't actually call you guys up and be like, hey. Correct. But that was amazing. Actually, it was the National Park Service. Cool. So, so neat. So that yeah. was just a perk of getting to meet Jimmy Carter. Absolutely. A very humble man. Very, very. That's yeah. awesome. And uh, Miss Rosalind, I believe her birthday is in the middle of August, and she has uh, butterfly gardens and butterfly trails. And so they have made Pollinator Appreciation Day, I think it falls on her birthday, hmm. August 18th coming up. And so I'm going to interview some people um, having to do with her work on butterfly gardens and butterfly trails. Really excited. So the Carters, of course, do a number of wonderful things, not only for the environment, but for humans, too, with Habitat for Humanity yeah. and his humanitarian work and all of that. So that's really, really neat. So we'll be talking about some of the things and questions that Jeff and Raphael are getting from all of you out in the field. But first, we will take the calls, calls of things you're seeing, what's going on with your tree. These guys are going to know. So down to Griffin we go. We'll talk to Sylvia first. Hey, Sylvia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very concerned. I have uh, four uh, live oak trees that are... I'm getting feedback for some reason. You know, you're the second one that has said that, and unfortunately I don't know what is causing that, so I'm really sorry. I know that's probably a little annoying, but as you're talking, Sylvia, if you'll just hold the phone away from your ear and okay. go ahead and just talk in, and we'll get your question, and then I'll put you on hold so it doesn't feedback anymore. Okay, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Okay, I have four live oak trees, very old, very tall. They... um develop a split near the ground and this oozy, oozy, smelly stuff starts kind of trickling to the ground and the top branches start slowly losing their leaves. Um, so I'm just trying to find out what might be going on. And you mentioned this black ooze when you were talking to Ann, right, our phone screener? Right. Yeah, I mean, right. that is alarming. I can completely understand why you would be alarmed seeing that. Um, the minute I said black ooze coming from the trunk of the tree, Raphael, you knew exactly what it was. Is it something to be concerned about? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what's called slime flux, a bacteria disease, and it's very common for uh, mature oak trees. Uh, unfortunately, it make, it's, it's a huge eyesore. It smells real bad. It smells like uh, spoiled wine, some customers will say. And I, I like smelled it myself. But not, not, not spoiled. spoiled. Wine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, it's uh, it's reasonable to be concerned. Um, there is a uh, the 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 concept is that it's not going to kill your tree unless it circles around the trunk of the tree completely and ends up cutting the the flow of nutrients, um, the vascular system. At that spot where you have the split right now and you have the oozing coming out, there's a lot of dead tissue right now. And there's not much transportation of nutrients. But the other side of the tree, hopefully, that doesn't have it, 
uh, will keep the tree alive. So, as like I said, as long as it doesn't circle around the tree and choke it out, uh, the tree should uh, survive just fine. Uh, you mentioned that some branches are dying, and I'm making an assumption that those branches are dying on the same side where you have that, that oozing coming out, and that's a result of uh, the blockage of transportation of nutrients, unfortunately. Um, if you ask about treatment, it's a bacterial disease. I know that OTC, the same injectables that we use for some other bacterial disease, an antibacterial, um, helps. It doesn't 100% eliminate the issue. So sometimes I don't even offer my clients this option because I, I try to see how severe it is. So if you want to send us a couple of pictures, and I'll be happy to take a look at those, um, and uh, we can come with the with the conclusion. So, Sylvia, you're on hold right now, and Anne is going to pick back up and uh, make sure you and I exchange email addresses, and you'll have my email address so that you can get me some photos, and I will pass those along to Raphael for you. Um, so you're saying bacterial with the slime flux. So she said it was on three or four of her trees that she was concerned about. Mm-hmm. As a tree picks up a bacteria, is it spread from tree to tree through, I mean, this is just maybe a silly question, but through the wind, or is it a soil-borne thing? How do four trees get infected, or is that just coincidence? It's uh, it's soil-borne, uh, f- as far as I know. And uh, I'm sure there are other ways to spread it, too, but the most common way is soil-borne. Okay, so yeah, definitely reason to be alarmed, Sylvia. Thank you very much for the call, and that was a really good description of that, so that Raphael knew um, exactly what you were talking about there. Mm-hmm. 404-872-0750. Up next is Patrick calling from Cumming and up in Forsyth County. Hey, good morning, Patrick. Good morning. What's going on? I was going to replant or transplant uh, a mimosa that I dug up last year. And I realized this year I've got yellow jackets in it. When I realized that, I actually drowned it out for about an hour. I know I killed them. But about two weeks later, they're back, and I'm not touching it now. What do I do? Now, Jeff, so what do you know about yellow jackets? Because fortunately, in my landscape, I've not really ever had problems with them. But well, Yeah, we run up on them time to time, and I buy cases of um, yellow jacket spray for the guys because they usually get lit up several times a year by those guys. Um, I don't know what to say uh, about that, except um, like you're doing, just maybe stay away from it. Now, are yellow jacket nests typically in the ground, yes. though? So this may not necessarily be yellow jackets that Patrick's having a problem with um, if they're in the tree. Patrick, do you see, you know, nests or... Oh, no. They're def- no, it's definitely yellow jacket. I've had yellow jackets here for 24 years. I know what they look like. My goodness. They're, and they're living they're in the tree. They're flipping out of there right now. Ah, huh, shoot. Hmm. Well, okay. I figure I'll let it run its course, and it's going to be an interesting uh, root ball when I pull it out later on and... Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously you're not able to really manipulate the tree in the way you need to if you're going to get stung to death as you're trying to replant it. Now, how much (laughs) of the root ball did you dig up? Were you real good and judicious about taking out enough of the root ball? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. She's been been good for two years now, but I was going to do it this year, and now I got yellow jackets. Oh man. Um yeah, we'll we'll see if anybody else has had that experience too and can call in with better advice for Patrick. I think drowning it out was pretty smart, but that's just probably a temporary fix. Yeah. They're, you know, going to be back. Yeah, I'll 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 keep using sprays like Jeff mentioned and see if you can get rid of it. I just didn't know that there was maybe one kind of tree over another that they prefer or that they're more susceptible to nest in. I had no idea. Yeah, not not that I heard of. Hmm. I know they like concentration of trees and like shade yeah. um mm-hmm. so but other than that yeah I know. and i mean obviously mimosa trees are 
you know, going to be a problem in the summertime when they look beautiful right now and they've got those fluffy pink flowers and stuff. But obviously in the wintertime, no shade because they're deciduous. They're going to lose right. their leaves. Yeah. So mm-hmm. eventually the yellow jackets have to go away. But that's uh, very inconvenient for Patrick wanting to transplant that. 404-872-0750. Up next is Lynn in Flowery Branch. Good morning, Lynn. Hi. Um, i got two questions. My first one is about my oak leaf. Uh, two years ago, I did the extension, and they said it was leaf month. And now it's all over the place. My whole neighborhood. All right. Lynn, I'm going to have to place you on hold. You're you're cutting out, so we only hear every uh, few in-between words of what you're saying. But she did say, yeah, the Forestry Commission of the Extension Services was able to identify that oak leaf miner um, in her oak tree. And, of course, as we talked about when you guys sat down at 730, that was really prevalent this year. Um, and, Raphael and Jeff, as you have seen out in the field, though, this became a problem and really an eyesore starting back around Memorial Day. But guess what? Now the oak trees, they are starting to flush out new leaves. So that's, that's promising. That is promising. That's good. That's good. That's good news. Yeah. So with Lynn's oak leaves dying, just because the leaves are dying and dropping does not mean the the tree is dying. But at what point, Raphael, is it going to be detrimental to a tree, say, if it loses 30% of its canopy or 50% of its canopy, at what point is it dropping so many leaves at an alarming rate that we need to be concerned? Right. 30% is the rule of thumb we like to use, even for pruning purposes. Um, if you see that your tree lost 30% of their leaves, uh, that's that starts to become alarming. Uh, more than that, then you have to take action. Um, but like I said, most of those uh, foliage diseases, they're, they're temporary and they go away and then next season everything goes back to normal. So it's a matter of being patient as well. Okay, very good. And and Jeff, you and I were talking in the break, too, when I said, you know, uh, we wanted to share with folks, we have a couple of minutes here before the commercial, indications of a tree's uh, health failing. And you said one thing that you always tell homeowners, look up. And what are they looking for? Um, they're looking for pine trees, for example, is the um, the needles turning brown? Um, is there bark coming off the, the tree? Uh, when it comes to your oaks and maples, are the canopies thinning out? If, you know, one day it's, you know, full and lush yeah. and the next they're starting to, to uh, thin out, then there's uh, showing signs that there's a problem with the tree. Uh, if you got a lot of water sprouts or suckers shooting out the trunk, that's another uh, issue with the tree and just... You know, reach out to us and let us come out and assess it. Yeah. So it's definitely not sending the energy to the necessary places, sure. right? If the yeah. canopy is failing and then you look down, you see suckers as well. Um, also, indications <clears throat> of just looking straight ahead at eye level. Are there going to be some things we notice about our hardwoods that are problems with the bark? I mean, I guess like we had Sylvia mention, you know, ooze coming yeah. out of the bark. But what? Uh, how's the bark going to look? Just kind of overall general that a tree is not healthy. Um, you know, there's, there's signs on the bark. Uh, you can have mushrooms. Uh, also there'll be, um, like, uh, the, uh, there'd be sometimes holes in the base oh, gosh, of the tree. Yeah. So it's always good to look around that and, uh, cankers. try to stick it down. Uh, cankers, cankers mm-hmm. on pine trees. You'll see those a lot too. A lot of people call them a cat face. Oh, interesting. Yeah, huh. So. So, yeah, these are all good indications for you as a homeowner. You know, it really behooves you every now and then when you're outside enjoying these summer days to look up. Notice the canopy. That's the tree's biggest indication to you that something may be wrong. Um, And as far as, like, limbs dropping, because I've got a very wooded area in the back. So from time to time, we definitely, you know, hear the limbs fall or see them fall. But a little bit of that's normal. I mean, a limb is going to drop. It didn't have any leaves on it. That's not anything that – but it – I mean – 
if a tree is starting to shed a lot of limbs, what mm -hmm. could be going on there? Does that even happen? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. So, uh, like you said, it's normal to shed branches and small twigs and, and, and limbs. The thing is, uh, if those trees are shedding limbs at the bottom part of the canopy where the sun can hit, mm -hmm. um, then that's that. It, not, not, no, nothing to be concerned. Now, if the tree is losing branches up in the top of the canopy, oh, okay. and what we call tip die back, when the branch starts dying yeah. from the tip back to the trunk, that's reason to be concerned there's something going on with the tree. I want to hear more about that. So we'll take a break and we'll talk to Mike in Locust Grove, Dorothy in Decatur, and I think one more question from Lynn asking about a powdery mildew on her crepe myrtles. All that next on WSB. It's got Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Back to Green and Growing, and 10 minutes from now, we'll have Pike Nursery along, and they're certainly going to be sharing some valuable information with all of us. We're going to be talking about pollinator habitat, because last week was National Pollinator Week. So we lost Lynn's call, uh, but Lynn was also asking, in addition to, yeah, the oak trees dropping the leaves, nothing to be concerned with. That's a result of that oak leaf miner uh, bug or pest that really affected our oak trees in the last month or so so nothing to be worried about but then her second question was uh white powder on the crepe myrtle leaves and that is powdery mildew um and that's common not only on crepe myrtles but a lot of other things just basically the cool nights and warm humid days that provides the perfect environment for that disease to develop um and heavy winter pruning on crepe myrtles jeff you see it all the time i see it i, I can't stand yeah. the crepe myrtles that have been severely pruned but when you prune a tree like that all of that new lush growth is thick and dense and all yeah. coming into one spot. So then you don't have air circulation around the leaves. So yeah, this powdery mildew becomes an issue. There's things you can use like infuse, immunox to knock back those diseases. But talk about crepe myrtles. And I mean, do we really need to severely prune them like people do? I mean, it's really just a preference. A lot of people do them. Um, you'll see a lot of them planted down this, uh, the median, mm -hmm. you know, right. throughout the... Um, uh, all the roads throughout Atlanta. And, you know, I guess it makes sense to do it there because they're growing into people's cars and trucks <laughs> yeah, hit them and that. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't want to damage anybody's um, property. Um, but they are resilient. I mean, I've cut cut them all the way down to uh, ground level and they'll start coming back. Yeah. So. And that's kind of a, a tree's, <laughs> when it's shooting up water sprouts or suckers as a crepe myrtle does, um, I mean, that's kind of the tree's emergency way of being like, well, I had all this energy stored, and now that you took the tree yeah. away, I've got to send it out somewhere else. That's right. And that's the roots reacting yeah. to having all that energy. Yeah. Now, if we were to leave suckers from a crepe myrtle that we've tried to remove and we tried to take down, if we were to leave those suckers, that will eventually become the trunks of a all-new crepe myrtle, a right? a new tree, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's hard to stay after yeah. those. Yeah. My goodness, crepe myrtles especially. So there are products on the market, guys, like uh, sucker stopper and sucker punch and all these kinds of things that you may need to do repeatedly. I wanted to ask you, Jeff, we may not have enough time to fully cover it here, uh, but recently, just this past week, as a matter of fact, your crew came out to my house and I had a stump ground and I never really understood what went into that. Uh, we took down just a very simple weeping cherry tree and uh, y'all left a great, the, the site looked great. You know, I've got the wood chippings now, but uh, I want you to talk when we come back to people about uh, 
stump grinding, whether or not it's important that we have it done, what the process is, what it what it entails, and some of the equipment, the fun stuff, the machinery that you guys get to <laughs> use to get the job done. And if you have questions or a job that you need Premier Tree Solutions to do, visit chopmytree.com and right there you can submit a request or you'll have the phone number to give them a call on Monday morning and get them out to your property and see the coverage area as well. 404-872-0750 with your tree questions up next on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, a little bit of time left in the show and glad you were sticking with us on Green and Growing. We're going to be uh, back with our conversation with Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago of Premier Tree Solutions. Chopmytree.com in just a minute. Want to get a couple more questions answered and talk about stump grinding. I don't know why... I find that so fascinating, but I do, and just had them out to my house two or three days ago to do it, and I was so mad. I was at work, and I missed the process, and I wanted to watch it, so Jeff has some things to say about that. But first, we're going to talk to Jackson Grimsley of Pike Nursery, the assistant manager of the Lindbergh location, about pollinator habitat. Hey there, Jackson. Good morning. Morning, Ashley. So it was really uh, really a pleasure to follow a lot of stuff on social media last week, National Pollinator Week, and that really is a good campaign to raise awareness about the importance of the beneficial creatures, the pollinators that we all need to survive. So you see hummingbirds, butterflies, all of the bees. Um, you all get all of that in the greenhouses there at Pike Nursery. So pollinators really need three things to survive. I mean, who doesn't? They need food water, and shelter. So tell us a little bit about, you know, these things and how we can create much more pollinator-friendly habitats just with the things that we grow. Absolutely. So there's, there's tons that you can do. Um, like you mentioned, you need food, water, and shelter. Uh, food being the first most important, important thing, obviously. So you're going to look for plants that are rich in nectar and pollen. Um, that's going to attract lots of pollinators, um, you know, most of them are going to like uh, blooms that kind of have that uh, almost trumpet shape a little bit. Um, so great examples would be uh, bee balm or monarda, salvia, uh, butterfly bush, um, rudbeckia. So there's tons of options there. Also, you, it's a good idea to use some native plants in there because that is going to—they're just going to be more familiar to your pollinators. Um, so yarrow, baptisia, coneflower, um, lots of great options that'll give you blooms pretty much all summer. Um, you also want to use host plants. So host plants are going to specifically for butterflies. Butterflies lay their eggs on host plants. Um, so, um, and when they hatch, the caterpillar will eat them. So that'll be things like parsley, dill, fennel, and then milkweed or butterfly weed. Um, that is specifically for monarch butterflies. I know, uh, you know, we had a good bit at the store and we did already have a few monarch caterpillars that we saw on there. That is um, really a joy yeah. for you guys and a joy for the customers, too. But have you found that, you know, now with education and groups like the Georgia Pollinator Census and all these things, like people are becoming a lot more informed about that, Jackson. And I would think that y'all are selling a lot more parsley and dill and butterfly weed and milkweed now that folks know, you know, a purpose that they serve, a really beneficial purpose. 
Absolutely. You know, there really has been so much education in the last few years, and it's really been a growing uh, you know, area of interest for a lot of people. Because um, people really have started, you know, through things like Pollinator Week, they've started to understand just how important these creatures are to, you know, our, our, everyone's lifestyle and everyone's life. So, um, you know, it absolutely is huge. Um, one other thing that is important to think about, too, and this is for, you know, your own enjoyment as much as for the pollinators, is looking at, you know, the bloom times of different plants. Because um, you do want to have consistent blooming throughout the seasons. So you kind of you want to look at your mix of plants and get things that are going to be blooming at different times. So you know for early spring you would have uh, red buds or cherry trees or you know Carolina jessamine that'll give you some nice early early spring blooms, and then a lot of your perennials, your coneflower, lantana, monarda, all those different things will be blooming for the summer through the fall. So that way you just have consistent blooms in your yard that'll continue to attract pollinators throughout the season. That's an absolutely a great point. I got my Carolina jessamine there at Pike Nursery two years ago now, and that is one of the first things to flower, um, along with my Lenten rose, my hellebores, which don't do much for pollinators. But yeah, those yellow blooms, kind of right when it's still cold outside before spring even starts, that's a great idea. That's a really good vining, pretty plant for folks that want it over an arbor or trellis or something like that. Um, so moving on, Jackson, water is another uh, thing. What are some ju- su- suggestions you have to drawing pollinators to the landscape with water? Absolutely. So you know, a bird bath is a great place to start. Um, now, most bird baths are really too deep, even for a lot of songbirds. They, you know, songbirds are only going to want, uh, you know, less than an inch of water to splash around in. Now, your pollinators really need less than that. Obviously, with your insects and um, hummingbirds, they don't want to get their wings wet. It makes them have trouble flying. So. If you have, you know, a reasonably shallow bird bath, one thing you can do is add a little bit of gravel or some pebbles in there and then put the water in so that it gives just, you know, a lower water level so that they can land and drink that way without getting their wings you know, wet and, and putting them in danger. Um, you can also use sand as another thing. Um, you know, anything that will just help you keep that water level a little lower in there makes it easier for them to land. That's good, and it's really important, too, to think about that. I mean, the birds are probably just as hot as we are, so having a spot to come and light and the butterflies, too, and be able to drink a little bit of water. And keeping that clean, too. Every time I'm out in the garden with the hose, I dump out the bird bath and put fresh water in it. That's going to be really important, and just disrupting mosquitoes, too, from you know laying eggs or whatever in the stagnant water. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You want to keep it clean, and um, you know we do sell some products that you can put into your water source Um, that will actually keep, uh, it interrupts the mosquitoes' lifestyle, so you can help keep them uh, them from breeding in there and keep your yard somewhat mosquito-free. Mosquito dunks at Pike Nursery, that is a good tip. Okay, and shelter, too, thinking about, you know, trees and shrubs, ornamental grasses, places that these pollinators need to beat the heat and really stay safe from predators. Absolutely. So, you know, most of them are going to nest in in trees, uh, like you mentioned, ornamental grasses, um, you know, a lot of a lot of your species will nest in like fallen branches and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you can you know move a branch to a bare patch in the back of the yard, something where it's not you know too frequently traveled to yeah. disturbing them, um, and that can be a great habitat for a lot of bees. Um, you know we do have beneficial bug houses at the store um, that you know have butterfly habitats and bee habitats in there as well. Um, you know, and butterflies and moths often like to you know, lay their eggs um, 
in, in you know, fallen piles of weeds and that kind of thing. So, again, obviously you can rake your yard, but, you know, on the borders of your yard or the margins, you can always leave a little pile for them. Um, that is a great place for them to, to nest. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'd, I never thought about that, fallen branches and limbs, moving that to the back of the property. And you and Brittany made note here of certifying your new wildlife habitat. If you've planted all of these things from Pike Nursery and you're just really proud of all of the the life and the fauna and the flora that you bring to your habitat, National Wildlife Federation provides a checklist and can certify your garden as a wildlife habitat. You get a plaque. You can visit nwf.org for more. That stands for National Wildlife Federation. That's really a good point you and Brittany made, nwf.org. Well, Jackson, thank you very, very much for the time. I love that. That's good pollinator info, and I look forward to having you back. We'll probably be talking about pollinators again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great weekend. I love it. All right. So we're back with the guys, Jeff Roth and uh, Rafael Santiago of Premier Tree Solutions. So again, my my newfound fascination with stump grinding. Boy, that's a tough job, Jeff. It is. It's a very violent process. Um, uh, that machine is just moving so fast, hitting those stumps. And, uh, you know, um, it's a preference, really, if you want to have stump ground uh, done. Um, if it's out in the woods and you had to remove a dead tree, I don't think you really would you can just leave it there and let it decay. Uh, obviously, if it's in the front yard, it becomes an eyesore, <laughs> right. and you'd want to have that ground. And, um, you know, the stump grinding debris always stays on site, too. It's very challenging for us to uh, get rid of that debris because it's mixed with dirt and rock. That's and true. Uh, uh, green But there's w- not a lot of it. So the homeowner, uh, it that's depends on the size can, of the tree. Yeah, um, shovel it to they, somewhere else or level it out. That's right. If you got a wooded area in the back, you can throw it in the back there. Yeah. Um, you can get those... Um, uh, Home Depot bags, mm-hmm. put it in there, leave it out at the street. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when you get, because I missed y'all coming to the house, I was so mad. I was still at work <laughs> and didn't see this process, but uh, it was just a weeping cherry tree. So the roots weren't too intense. But if it's a bigger hardwood tree and you've got those above ground roots that That's are right. sprawling for feet and feet and feet away from the trunk, does the stump grinder do anything to those or it's just it, truly the stump? It does. Uh, well, if you, it all depends if the client wants to chase the roots or not. Okay. And uh, the stump grinder will go out and if they do want to do root chasing, it'll only grind the exposed roots. Mm-hmm. So if a root, if you get a six foot root and we obviously know it's longer than that, uh, they're just going to grind that six feet. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, do you have to, do your folks have to be any kind of like safety certifications or whatever to use this really intense machine? Uh, no, um, there's a, uh, panel with a, uh, like a glass that you look through or plexi, uh, to where you can see what you're doing. And when it's grinding, the chips are thrown away from the, from the operator. Okay. Yeah. And lots of, lots of protection gear as well. That's right. Yeah. Eye, yeah. eye protection, helmets. That just sounds pretty Standard intense. PPE, yeah. Yeah. And a good thing that you all took care of for me, which I wouldn't have even thought of because I had never had a stump ground out, is calling 811 before you dig. So y'all took care of that, which Mm -hmm. I so appreciated. The ladies in the office got me all set. Heather and Paula were like, we're going to have the utility lines marked prior to the crew coming out. So that could take, you know, a number of days. That's not, of course, on y'all's timeline. It's on theirs. But sure enough, I had the guys come out and spray Mm -hmm. the yellow lines, spray the blue lines. I don't know what they are, but it looked really important. And then your crew was able to safely come to the front yard, know where the lines were, work around that, and crisis or potential disaster averted. That's right. Yeah, it's that's mostly, right. yeah, we call a one mostly for trees and for stumps in the front yard, not mm-hmm. so much in the back because it's less likely to have anything under the ground. But it's something that we do. It's a complimentary you know, that we uh, offer our clients. And uh, we uh, 
call A11 on your behalf, and we mark all the utilities. See, and I mean, I just wouldn't have even thought about it, but that's why you guys run the business. I don't. Because you think <laughs> of these things, and you went ahead and planned ahead for me. So it was very, very simple to get Jeff and Raphael and the guys out to have the stump ground. Of course, tree removal, um, debris cleanup, perhaps, from storms, if we have downed trees and things like that, which we'll talk about that when we come back. So far, it has not been a stormy Mm-mm. spring and summer, but you never know. You winter never know. in the south or uh, Weather in the southeast can turn on a dime, for sure. So we'll be back with a couple of final thoughts and, again, how to reach Premier Tree Solutions when we return. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. All right, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You can expect scattered thunderstorms today, tomorrow, and even into Monday. It's going to be hot and humid. Afternoon storms expected still highs in the 90s, so no relief there. Uh, lows around 70, maybe even 68 degrees. Wow, it's going to be chilly. Uh, talking with Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago of Premier Tree Solutions. And Jeff, though, we have not really had, well, we haven't had tornadoes in the metro Atlanta area. Um, that could change because we're still in severe weather months here in the summer in the southeast, as we know. Um, talk about your crew's response. And y'all kind of go into a different mentality and a different mode when your crews are being dispatched for storm debris clearing and removal rather than just your run-of-the-mill standard Monday through Friday jobs. Yeah, I got a call last Friday from uh, one of the municipalities that we work for. And uh, I got a call about a 415 and a tree had come down across the road. So we mobilized the guys, and uh, I think we got out there approximately 6.30, uh, spent about seven, eight hours. Um, it was a really, really big tree, and it crossed the road and knocked down power lines and wow. crossed driveways and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, we get to it as quick as we can. We get our guys mobilized. Um, they're on call, so our guys rotate uh, each week on call. So, um, And you can reach us at chopmytree.com. Uh, the phone number's on there at 404 404- uh, 252-6448, and we get to you as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. And talk about, I mean, if it's a very large tree, and obviously first responders get on the scene, and it's large enough that it's going to be an extended period of time to shut the road down, yeah. What are what is your crew looking at in terms of time to remove it? Well, we just have to assess it. A lot of times, uh, you know, when power lines and communication lines are come down, um, you know, we have to wait till they make the area safe. True. So we just wait wait till they give us the all uh, clear mm-hmm. and then we go in and take care of the tree but and we've it, got all the equipment yeah to get rid of the tree so it's never it's an issue ready to go yeah, yeah. and as it uh, creates a traffic issue you know you can count on wsb's triple team traffic to tell you what roads are closed that's right and alternate routes so we kind of work hand in hand there jeff <laughs> yes, we um, do. and i understand you have a new delivery you're expecting tell us about this fun yeah thing. we've got another tree met coming um it's a who i was I ordered it in January of 21, um, and it's uh, supposed to arrive, I guess, any week now. A new toy. That's yeah. fun. So what does the tree mech do? Uh, it's a, a knuckle boom crane with a grapple saw attached. So we go up there and grab uh, sections of the tree, cut it, bring it down. Uh, now, is that coming in one piece from Ohio? or is Yes, it... it'll wow. be driven down. So, so if someone, what color is it? 
Uh, the chassis or the cab is white, and uh, the crane itself is red, orange. Okay. And it's got all the nice bells and whistles and lights and all that stuff. Yeah. So. so maybe in the coming weeks, if anybody sees that driving down 75, it's coming from Ohio. That's right. Down yeah. to a Premier Tree Solutions. Yes. That's going to be exciting. It's um, it's uh, That machine is just... Um, it's incredible what yeah, it can it's do. Yeah, it's the low impact, no impact that we have. Yeah. It's all, our little, princess, our little princess, princess that That's we That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we love and her. so, Raphael, you came out to my house. Uh, I didn't even have to be there to write up an estimate for this stump that I had removed. Um, but how simple is that? What's y'all's protocol when you hear from a customer, they say, hey, I've got some trees I want looked at. What can they expect? Yeah, well, the first step is to get in touch with us either via a phone call uh, with the ladies in the office or you can go on our website and set up an, an appointment with us and it's free mm-hmm. f- for us. And so uh, if you want my opinion, my verbal opinion about trees and safety and the tree risk assessment in general, I'll be happy to come out there and, and talk to you in person. Uh, if you don't want to be at the house for some reason, you have to work and it's something small, we can just get, give in the description of the work and I'll give you a free quote. Yeah. And uh, after that visit, I'll send you a proposal. See, and I love that. You don't necessarily have to be there if the tree's dead and you know it's dead. ChopMyTree.com is going to know it's dead. Yeah, they'll write up an estimate, free estimate, free trip out to get Raphael and the guys. That's He's right. a certified arborist. Really look at that if you need further discussions. But thanks to Leo. Thanks to Anne, Jeff, and Raphael. Again, ChopMyTree.com. Hopefully, guys will be in touch with you all. And stay safe in case it does storm, okay? You too. Thanks. And uh, talking about ticks and all kinds of dangerous yeah. things you guys do. We really, really appreciate that. We'll be back next Saturday. And I'll actually be on the air tomorrow, too, if you're out driving around on a Sunday afternoon hosting the weekly checkup right here on WSB. So I'll be back from 3.